Hello and good morning. I am Christine Dean, your DFW Networking Diva, and I love to connect you to who you want to know. And we're all about networking. We're about marketing. We're about entrepreneurship, small business, nonprofits, you name it. We're probably got our hands in it. And I'm always looking for interesting people that can come on board and share with our listeners and talk a little bit about how to make life a little bit better. So automatically Steve Reed came to mind. So I'm going to introduce y'all to Steve Reed today. And we're going to talk about, are you sabotaging your relationships? Hmm, you might be doing it and not even realize you're doing it. So here's somebody to give us a hand. Steve, welcome. Oh, Christine. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you're always a joy. We have way too much fun. And, and what a great topic, right? I mean, are you sabotaging things? We do it. Right? Yeah, I'm an expert. All the time. I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that, and uh, lost Open mouth, the t-shirt. insert foot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I lost the t-shirt in the process. So anyway. It happens. <laughs> you know, and we don't even know we're doing it. That's the scary part about it, right? We are so, sometimes we're just so self-centered. We're like, I like things this way. This is the world that I live in. Yes. And, you know, why is not everybody cooperating and fitting into my, my round circle I have here? This is the way I want things. You're not exactly. cooperating. What, what is wrong with you? <laughs> exactly. Don't you know what my agenda is? My agenda is obviously more important than your agenda or your, your perception of my agenda, but it's not my agenda. You're doing things the way you want to do things, and you should have asked me before you made me put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> that pretty much says it all. I mean, right? We, we really become self-absorbed, right? Self-focused, our goals. Yeah. Um, and And it's not that we necessarily mean to, but sometimes yeah. somebody needs to smack us upside the head and tell us to be a little bit more thoughtful of others. Um, other people are allowed to have a different opinion than we are. I, it's it's a crazy space, though. I, I personally love to be all about me, but it doesn't always work that way. You know, Christine, you and I have had multiple conversations over the years about the different personality temperaments. And I am what is known as a high C personality temperament. Very focused. I'm detail oriented. Give me the facts, ma'am. If you if you remember the old TV show Dragnet, Joe Friday, mm -hmm. just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Okay, that's me. Okay, I get in a zone when I'm doing a task, and I can't be disrupted. Otherwise, I I'm I'm disorganized and disheveled and whatever. I I need to tell you a self sabotage story. Many years ago, I used to lead worship at a large church in the North Dallas area, and we had multiple services. And in between the services, I would frequently have to go to a different part of the building to do something, find somebody, find a, a, something that I needed for the next service. And this one particular Sunday, I'm scurrying from one part of the building to another part, and then I've got to get back on stage five minutes before we're ready to launch the second service. And I'm rushing down this hallway. I've got 15 minutes to get there, get back. And there were probably, uh, I don't know, 150, 200 people in this one hallway. And I'm going, I'm getting my task done. I get back on stage. And before we actually started the service, one of the other guys that I was, that I was working with says, hey, do you have a few minutes after the service is over? I said, yeah, sure. What's going on? He says, well, we'll talk later. Okay, fine. So service is over. He's now pulled me off on the side and he says, Steve, I got to tell you something. I said, okay. He says, are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. What, what's going on? He says, you are the most rude person I know. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not rude. He says, I watched you as you were going from here 
to the office and back. And he says, there were probably 15 or 20 people that said good morning to you. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, great service this morning. Fantastic. Love seeing you, et cetera, et cetera. And you ignored every single person. And I realized all of a sudden I was self-sabotaging because I was so focused on the task, I wasn't paying attention to the people, which is a downside to the C personality type. They get so focused on getting the job done, they, they forget about this other component that's called people. <laughs> people are so in the way sometimes, right? <laughs> well, you know, Christine, I've said for many years, sales would be a whole lot more fun if it wasn't for customers. <laughs> <laughs> but right. obviously I'm in, in jest with that. But but I, I got so focused on the task that I had to do mm-hmm. that I shot myself in the foot and or in the mouth and and it came back to bite me. Thankfully I had a friend that noticed what was going on and, and I've obviously been doing that for a long time. I didn't realize it. But right. thankfully somebody cared enough about me to bring it to my attention. And as a result, I changed my ways and now mm-hmm. I still do it. Not as bad, but I, I still do it. So occasionally somebody has to say, Steve, okay, don't forget about the people. Right. And we've all been there, right? We've all gotten down in the weeds on something and we're so task oriented that we forget about the people. Yes. We forget about yes. what's around us. We forget about the relationships and relationships are key. And DFW yep. networking diva, go figure relationships, all about the relationships. Hi, yep. I personality. Hi, have we met? Um, <laughs> so really, right. The biggest gift we can give to somebody is our undivided attention. Oh, absolutely. And, and if not right at the moment, right, then it's acknowledging them at least, right, to say, hey, yeah. you know what? I would love to talk to you in a little bit. Unfortunately, I have this task I have to complete, but you and I, we're talking soon, right? Call me yep. or whatever it is, right? Yep. Book an appointment, whatever that is. It's so important <laughs> because somebody needs to feel like they're important, right? <laughs> oh, Christine, you, you're, you're going to appreciate this. So I work with a lot of, well, I work with a lot of executives, but I do a lot of marriage and relationship coaching as mm-hmm. well. And 97.4% of the time, I just made that statistic up, by the way, um, (laughs) the vast majority of the couples that I'm working with, they tell me there are three issues that they're dealing with. Number one is conflict resolution. Number two Mm -hmm. is trust. Number three is communication. And when I start my program with them, um, I talk specifically about your listening skills And I've got a template that I use that I walk people through. And there are seven keys to your listening skills. And the very first most important one is what I call be attentive. Be where you are. And no distractions, no phone, no iPad, no computer. You know, if you have to, duct tape the kids to a wall and, and so forth. Get them out of the way. Take the dog outside. Let the dog play in the street. Whatever. I'm kidding, obviously. But oftentimes... Oh, hang, hang on one second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was, and I do that every time. And then, and then I apologize. I said, guys, I wasn't looking anything. See? The phone was black. Okay? Well, it's, now it is now. But... I, I, I do that to prove my point. Mm-hmm. We don't realize how easily we can be distracted. And when you are distracted from that other person and you're not listening, you are showing a massive sign of disrespect for that person. And, and you probably never thought about that. 
And, and, right? you're, and, you're so focused in what you're doing and whatever yes. it is that's distracted you, that shiny object, the phone making noise, the dog barking, whatever it is, and you're not giving your undivided attention to that person. And to you, you're just thinking, oh, right? To them, they're like, really? Yeah. You couldn't even, I don't know about you. I've been out on date night before and date night is like they're on their phone. You're like, really? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I will take Absolutely. that phone. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's going in the toilet. So you won't use that phone anymore. Uh, for, yeah, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but, but you know, Christine, there's another issue. Uh, along with the, the distractions, sometimes we get so engaged in our own head mm. that we're not thinking about what the other person is saying. And I tell people on a very regular basis, whether it's in a relationship, a, a marriage or, or dating relationship or in a business relationship, listen to hear what the person is saying, not to respond. And in a case in point, another young couple that I was working with several years ago, that he interrupted her all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the time. And did I mention he interrupted her all the time? And I finally, I, I put my foot down and said, guys, listen, you got to stop interrupting each other. Well, it was him interrupting her. Well, months after they had gotten married, this was pre-marriage stuff. So they've gotten married and they're, they're driving someplace and, and she, he's telling me his story. And then I said, okay, let me have, you know, hand the phone to her. And she had said multiple times, give me the phone, give me the phone, give me the phone. Okay. <laughs> okay. So she's now they're on speakerphone, so it doesn't matter. Okay. So I'm listening to this thing and he's continuing to interrupt her. And finally I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to call her Marie. Marie, I got the, the picture of things. Okay. You can give the phone back to Hank. Okay. Um, Hank. May I be straight up with you? Oh, yeah, please do. Please do. I said, okay, you owe her a very nice steak or seafood dinner, whatever is her choice. And I'm not talking about Outback. I'm talking about Three Forks or whatever, any five-star restaurant, because you are the most disrespectful and rude person I have had a chance to work with in a long time. What are you talking about? I said, you did not let her say what she had to say. You interrupted every single time she started talking. And when you start to respect her, then maybe she's going to start respecting you. And all of a sudden, I could hear her clapping in the back. <laughs> I've been telling him that. So the same thing is true. It doesn't have to be husband and wife. Right. It could be boss, subordinate. It could be coworkers. It could be, you know, a salesperson to a client. I mean, there's so many different ways. The problem comes in. We are so busy thinking about what we are going to say next we don't listen to what that other person is really saying. And as a result, the disrespect meter goes up. Mm -hmm. And people say, I don't trust you. I just don't trust you. Right. Uh, Absolutely. So it, it is so crucial. And, and so I find a lot of people are, are sabotaging the relationships. They could be really good relationships if it weren't for the fact that you're self-sabotaging because you're so fo so focused on yourself. Right. You're not giving the other person opportunity to share, to listen to them, to acknowledge exactly. their feelings and their words. You mean other people have feelings besides us? I, I don't understand. Right. And, and sometimes I think when you're in the heat of the moment, right, you just want to hammer that point home. Well, you've hammered it so much. The other person can't listen to you, right? Because yeah. you've done it so aggressively 
that they yeah. can't listen, right? They're backing up going, whoa, I'm under exactly. attack right now. Let's, I, I'm not in a position where I can listen to you, right? So if we take turns, yeah, okay, exactly. I've heard about the baton, the talking baton. Steve, how's the talking <laughs> baton work? Okay, talking baton is an absolutely amazing tool that I discovered about a dozen years, uh, dozen years ago. So this same couple that they're driving, and I called him out on being rude and so forth. The first time we got together, it was so funny, it was a restaurant and just a little coffee shop type restaurant. And we're having a nice conversation. Well, I got there before him and I got something to drink and I took the little paper wrapper off the straw and I just set it over on the side of the table. He comes in, we have a nice little small talk. She comes in about five minutes later. Then the two of them started talking. Well, actually she was talking and he was interrupting the whole time. And this went on. I just sat there and listened to them for about 10 minutes. Now this is in their pre-marriage coaching session so that they can actually get married in, in a particular church. So anyway, so after about 10 minutes, I said, okay, I've heard enough. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, okay, guys, this is a baton. And I took that flattened out piece of, of wrapper for that straw. And I said, this is a baton. Okay. Now I'm going to use my, my orange cap pen. Okay. And I'm going to say, this is the baton. So whoever is speaking gets to hold the baton in their case, it was that paper straw wrapper, okay? So if you're holding the baton, you get to talk. If you're not holding the baton, you have to listen, and you go back and forth. Everybody gets one to two minutes to talk. You talk for a minute, pass off the baton, they talk for a minute. Then you pass back and forth and back and forth. That way, everyone gets to be heard. And so they said, okay, well, we'll try that. Well, that lasted about 30 minutes with the two of them. And then he started interrupting again. I said, excuse me, Hank, but you're not holding the baton. She is holding the baton. He's like, oh my gosh. Oh, you're right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so I, so I introduced the concept to a, to a couple and it was so funny because that was in the first session. In the second session, we're getting together she came out with a wooden spoon that she had decorated with a smiley face on it. <laughs> like, I love it. I will use that. And she put little curlers and so forth, which basically is saying that I'm always right. And I get more opportunity to talk than you do because no guy wants to wear or hold on to a baton that's dressed like a girl so so at the end of the conversation that day i said okay what nuggets did you guys get today and she says oh i'm gonna tell you what i got you i got you got him to talk and i said sir what what about you and he says you got her to listen <laughs> so so I, I i love doing that and i love breaking down those walls and giving people a sense of of importance that I do have something valuable to say. And again, this goes not only for husband, male, female relationships, this goes into the corporate world also. Christine, mm -hmm. I know you've been in situations where there is a boss of some sort. Mm -hmm. It could be a teacher. I know, I know you used to teach at the college level. So you may have had a student that maybe, I don't think this would be the case, but maybe somebody came up to you and you were so fixated on the things that you wanted to say, you weren't listening to your student. Now, I know that wouldn't have happened with you. That would have been another college professor. Um, but, but imagine if that's the scenario. And they're thinking, I didn't get anything out of them. They're of no value, no help to me whatsoever. I'm going to figure it out on my own. 
And so when you do that, it's like, oh my gosh, is that disrespectful? Don't do that. And just, just listen, just listen. Time to take turns. I mean, this is the concept that we learned what in, in playground back when we were little, we're playing in the sandbox, you know, the idea of taking turns. I, I tried the baton thing. I did. I handed the water bottle and we had a water bottle. We're going for a walk. We're going go. to water. They threw the water bottle. <laughs> checked it they're like not taking turns i'm like okay got it water bottle is okay i mean you can even use an an empty water bottle whatever you do do not use a water bottle that's full but frozen not not good not good no and and not not breakable items okay (laughs) not breakable not the favorite you know figurine that your grandmother passed down to generations. No, no. So what? you're saying this isn't the only time you've heard of the baton being thrown? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, actually, what I tell clients most of the time, especially during during warm months of the year, say go to your local dollar store, five dollar store, pool supply store, or whatever, and get one of those five foot noodles that you would use in a swimming pool. Okay, and cut it into twelve or eighteen inch lengths okay and use that okay so when you do hit the other person it won't hurt it won't leave any scars and contusions and anything about so it. what i'm hearing is we get to beat them with pool noodles that, you, that's you how you can get to if you top, want to right? if it's justified i can't believe you boom no don't do that that's not, okay but you know the urge may be there okay it's been known to happen you know whether it's your partner whether it's your boss whether it's your kids there's always some situation where you're like we all need to take turns even when yeah. we don't want to yeah it's so frustrating well you know christine you 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 bring up the whole concept of self-sabotage here's another self-sabotaging thing that people do um I heard Zig Ziglar, one of my heroes, many, many years ago, talk about the difference between reaction and responding. Oh, and the yeah. illustration that he gave, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to embellish it a little bit, but you go to a doctor and you've got a rash on your arm. And the doctor says, here, take this ointment and rub this ointment on uh, three times a day and I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, you go back in the next day and the doctor says, oh, Steve, you're having a reaction to that ointment. Let's clean that up, give you a different ointment. Do the same thing. Rub it on your arm three times a day. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, so you do the same thing. You rub it three times a day. You go back in to to see the doctor the next day and the doctor says, oh, good. You are responding well. Okay, now what's the difference between the two? Reaction is typically something on a negative perspective. Responding, you've thought through the whole process. For instance, if you're coming up to an intersection and there's an 18-wheeler that's barreling through at 40 miles an hour and you know they are not going to stop in time, do you react or do you respond? Well, you typically react. You either slam on the brakes or you gun it and you, you get through the intersection as fast as you can. You don't sit there and you say, gosh, it looks an awful lot like that 18-wheeler is going to T-bone me. That will probably hurt if they hit me going 40 miles an hour with their full load. Maybe I should do something. No, you react, okay? But if you see that same scenario, but you're 50 yards away from the intersection, now you can respond properly and say, I need to slow down. I need to stop in case that guy doesn't stop. So that's the difference. So when you're in a conversation with somebody, are you reacting to what they're saying or are you responding to what they're saying? 
Well, and I, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like reaction could also be kind of a gut instinct reaction, right? It, it you don't be, necessarily yes. have any choice. It's preservation. It's like yes, a fight absolutely. or flight kind of thing. It's kind of absolutely. a got to do it now, right? Yeah. Yeah, but but you know, okay. So so one of my favorite authors is John Maxwell. Okay, mm -hmm. a great leadership coach and, and trainer and so forth, and he tells a story about when he was in a a large church in Southern California, Skyline Church, and he was the senior pastor of the church. And he tells the story. Now, John Maxwell is a very high D in the DISC profile. Okay, so he's a very strong, very assertive type of a leader. And he knows that whenever he's developing something, he's bringing out a new concept that he has to make sure he's, he's getting buy-in from everybody. This particular time, he didn't get buy-in. He just made three major decisions that impacted a lot of people in the church. And as a result, he alienated or broke the trust of a lot of people. He calls this the, the law of, of solid ground. The solid ground is you have to make sure that people are informed ahead of time before making that decision. So you've got to get buy-in from the other people. He didn't do that. And as a result, people, they had trust issues. Now, on the other side of the coin, though, he also talks in that chapter. He says we have to continue to making, making deposits into the trust bucket, so to speak. And he says, that way, if you break some of these trusts, you still have some trust things that are in there. Maybe maybe it's a coin that you're putting in. You're gaining trust from everybody. So you just keep dropping these coins in. Okay, When you break some of these trusts, they're taking a coin out. Mm -hmm. You got to make sure you have enough coins in there so that you have some other coins that people can fall back on. I still trust him, but we had an mm -hmm. issue there. Well, he had to go back and he had to apologize to all these other people that were impacted by apologizing, recognizing I made a mistake mm -hmm. by not informing you properly. He regained their trust. Okay? Now, well, and that's kind of a difficulty we see with high D's anyway, right? They, they tend to is. make a decision, run with it, and like, oh, collateral damage would be other people were not on board with this. So if you know your exactly. personality type, and I know you and I are big fans of DISC specifically, <laughs> yep. right? You, you got to do more damage control, right? If you're not yep. thinking about other people and their personality types. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, a, a D personality, if they're looking at a, at a bullseye or a target, the way they look at it is ready, fire, aim. They fire uh, before they You got to talk about that one, how this works <laughs> <laughs> for the DISC. This is, oh. Go for it, Steve. Yeah. Well, okay. So so that's the way a, a, a D looks at it. Okay. I'm, I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to skip over the I personality type. That's actually my favorite one. The S personality type looks at it and they say, ready, 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 ready. They are so afraid that they are going to hurt somebody, make a mistake, offend somebody else. They don't want to, to make a decision and go forward with something. So they have to make sure everything is ready before they pull the trigger, so to speak. Sometimes they just need to take action, okay? Then the C personality type, they're going to look at They're going to say, ready, aim, 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 aim. And the reason for that is they are always considering and calculating everything. They don't want to make a mistake because they don't want themselves to look bad. The S doesn't want other people to look bad. The C doesn't want themselves to look bad. So sometimes it's hard for them to make a choice and, and make, make that forward motion. Okay, Carpenters are great 
at being C personality types because they measure twice and cut once. You do not want a dentist that is one of the other personality types. If they, you don't want a dentist, it's going to be a, a D because if they drill the wrong tooth, they'll just say, ah, get over it. You'll, you'll, you'll be fine tomorrow. So don't worry about it. Okay. Um, no. Now, my favorite personality type is the I personality type. I happen to be married to a high I personality type. And the way they look at that same bullseye, that same target, they look at it and they say, ready, aim. Christine, how in the world are you doing? Oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you in forever. Hey, how are the kids doing? Hey, I know that youngest one of yours. Oh, they were always getting in trouble. But I, I know I knew you, you got their life. Hey, remember when we saw each other at that restaurant? And, oh, man, that shrimp, that, oh, that was so good. And you got the lobster that, oh, that was, oh, man, we had so much fun. Hey, by the way, how's your sister doing? Is your sister doing okay? Welcome um, to the high eye struggle. Yes, yes. Okay, focus. My wife, I love her to death, but my wife can carry on five conversations in one sentence. Absolutely. And I understand I it. Right. And so you sabotage yourself because you come in with you. And if you've got a particular focus, especially in the business, I have to remember, okay, I only get to do this much I, and now I got to transition into the business side because if it was up to me, I'd still be talking about how pretty your nails were and, oh, is that new jewelry? So, I mean, <laughs> I hear you. It's rough. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so one of the guys, when I first started doing that no, 20 years ago, I was doing a lot of corporate trainings on the disc personality programs. And I still do that. That, but but I was doing it with a partner at the time. He's a very high D with a lot of I. I'm a very high C, uh, C with a lot of S. And there were we had these running jokes that we would that we would say to each other, and he would frequently say, "Steve, you need to raise your D and lower your C." And my response would frequently be something like, "Russ, you need to take your D out of an orifice." And move on because that's who I am. And so it was that running thing. So when we would do our trainings, he would always talk about the D's and the I's. And then I'd come up and I'd say, okay, now that you've got a total mess going on, I'm going to clean it up with my C and S presentations. And everybody would die laughing. But we would banter back and forth like that mm -hmm. all the time because we knew each other's personality temperaments mm -hmm. and we could feed off of each other's temperaments. Now, when you know your temperament and you know the other person's temperament that you're engaging with, then you can feed off the people properly. And you don't sabotage the relationships because I know there are times, Suzanne, do me a favor, time out. Let's just deal with this one thing. Or sometimes I just have to sit there and listen to what she's saying and agree with what she's saying and then say, okay, what time does the party start? Do I get party favors? Do I get to wear a cute little hat? Do I get a mask? What do I? What am I doing? Are there streamers involved? What do I have to do to prepare for this party? And she says, just deal with it. Just come along with me. And I'm like, okay. So I hold on to her coattails while she takes me to the party, wherever it is. So, but I've learned how to do that over the years. And it, 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 it when you when you learn the other the the other temperaments, then you can adapt to where they are instead of you forcing them to adapt to what you are. 
And it and is just critical. being aware that there are yes. other temperaments besides you, right? The world doesn't always revolve around me. I like it when it does, but it doesn't always work that way, right? Oh, that so, so being true. aware of other people's perspectives, right? And yeah, we talk about exactly. communication, the importance exactly. and giving people attention. And everybody's looking at that same situation from different eyes, right? Yeah. And so what's disrespectful to one isn't to the another. And so then sometimes the whole miscommunication hot mess is yes. absolutely insane. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I know when I was teaching oh, communication courses in college, um, you know, we talk about simple things with interpersonal communication and we right. focus on um, dual perspective. Right. And you'd be amazed how difficult that can be for some people. <laughs> no, I'm not. Not amazed at all. Our audience may be amazed, but I'm not surprised at all. You know, I, I had a I've got a, a couple that I was working with a while back. He is retired from a police department. And she has just recently departed, retired from that same police department. And and he's a very high D. She is a very high S. <clears throat> so he's in charge. He's running, charging forward, et cetera, et cetera. And she's thinking and contemplating and so forth. And they so they're in conflict. I said, okay, I want you guys to think about this something. And I know you both have done investigations in accident scenes, okay? So you come up to an accident scene and it's at an intersection and one person is giving their perspective from the northwest corner. Then somebody else is coming from the southeast corner and then somebody else from the northeast corner and then somebody else from the southwest corner. So you've got four different sets of eyes that are looking at the same accident. Will you ever get the same story going forward? You can't. Because everybody's coming from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And I tell clients all the time, my perspective is my reality. Mm -hmm. Yours is your reality, but it's my perspective. So let's figure out what the truth is. And I frequently tell people, whether it's in, a, in an executive scenario, corporate type setting, or if it's in a, in a couple scenario, you, you have your story. They have their story. Someplace in the middle is the truth. What actually happened, okay? So let's chisel away at the emotions and the feelings and the hurts and all of that stuff and get to what the core is, what the truth is. And a lot of people don't, they're so dead set against the other person that they can't let go of their, their biases going into it, thus self-sabotaging because they can't look at somebody Absolutely. else. When you look at the worldview, right, we all come in with our own worldview from our own experiences, right? Yes. My, my ex-husband a, is a police officer, right? Mm -hmm. So he's got that the world right. is out to get you. They're trying to scam you. They're trying to shoot, steal, lie, right? Yes. I mean, this is the worldview. So he comes home from work and it's like, how was your day? And I'm like, oh, man, that sounds like a really rough day, <laughs> right? And my side, he's like, how was your day? I'm like, oh, it was fantastic. I'm working with students. They all want to do well in the world. The world is a shiny place and they're all looking to, to you know, explore oh, and learn new things. And yeah. we just kind of had these worldviews that couldn't possibly yeah. be more opposite. I can't understand why there are any problems in that relationship. Lollipops and unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah. worldviews, but from my experience, that's the way the world is, right? And and from well, his experience, that's the way it is. Finding the middle. But the, the, the challenge comes in when you are predisposed to a positive mindset, 
then you're you're looking at the world from a positive perspective. If you are looking at the world from a negative mindset, mindset, which unfortunately a lot of police officers do because that's all they see. They're surrounded with drug dealers and hookers and white collar crimes and, you know, jaywalkers and, you know, all of that stuff. And everybody has an excuse for everything. So they are naturally going at things from a suspicious perspective. Mm -hmm. So hopefully when they get home at the end of the day, they can leave that suspicion outside and not carry it into their home life. And that's a major challenge for a lot of people. Oh, that that's a huge one, right? When you know, when when you walk in the door, are, are you bringing all that garbage with you that you had, right? Is it is it all with you? Are you, you know, what's going on with that? And and I think a lot of people have a hard time turning that off. So here you are, you're having a rough day at work, you come in the door, and then you're like, hey, brr. <laughs> Talk about sabotaging. You just sabotaged your relationship. Did your exactly. spouse do anything wrong? No. You know? No. Did the kids but do anything wrong? you walk in with Probably that bad attitude, man, yeah. and you've, you've exactly. sabotaged that relationship pretty good. Yep. You know, Christine, I heard a story, and I, I this, I'm going to give you my version or rendition of this story. Um, there was a, a gentleman, he owned a piece of property, a commercial property and he had somebody that was a contractor of some sort that was coming in contractor was having a really rough day tools weren't working properly truck was having problems etc etc towards the end of the day the the business owner says why don't you come home with me have dinner tonight so they jump in the in the business owner's vehicle and they're heading towards this home they get to the the business owner's home and as they start walking into the house there's a a very mature tree oak tree, maple tree, whatever, that's out in front of the house, right in front of the door. And this business owner reaches up and grabs a leaf from that tree and just rubs the leaf and then lets go. And then they walk in the door. Well, a couple of hours go by and they're getting ready to leave. And as they're walking out the door, that contractor says, hey, I'm curious about something. When we walked in earlier, you grabbed a leaf and you rubbed that leaf. What were you doing? He says, oh, that's my trouble tree. He says, what do you mean your trouble tree? He says, well, every time I come home, I want to leave my troubles outside. So I always hang my troubles on this tree. And then the next morning when I go back to my, to my work, then I look up at that tree to see if the troubles are still there. And you know what? Nine times out of ten, there are no troubles there. So I don't have to pay, take them off the tree because – they weren't really big deals in the first place. So I, I was working with a couple many months ago. Of course, we're coming out, out of the, the, the COVID stuff and so forth. And this one gentleman was working, forced to work from home. So he's got a spare bedroom. He set up an office in the bedroom. And his routine was when he would leave his office at the end of the day, he just opened the door and he's out with the family. I mean, you know, five steps and now he's in the family room. Well, I suggested, why don't you go to, you know, Michael's or Walmart or Hobby Lobby or whatever and get yourself a box. I like the idea of a treasure chest because I know you can get them cheap at, at Hobby Lobby. And you have that treasure chest on a little pedestal, a little table right there at the door. And at the end of the day, 
you take all of your troubles, your problems, your conflicts, everything, you put it in that box, then you close the lid on that box or that treasure chest, then you open your door, you walk outside, and you close the door behind you. And that way you leave all of your problems, all of the conflicts behind you in your office. So we did that. And after a couple of weeks, I said, how are you doing with your trouble box? And I asked him, and he says, well, it's working pretty well. And I looked at his wife and said, how's he doing with his trouble box? And she said, amazing. The tone in our home is a thousand times better because dad was no longer bringing his junk with him. How often do we do that? We're sabotaging relationships. Now, the same is true if you've got problems at home, you're likely to take those things into the office or onto the job site, whatever. So you got to make sure that you deal with your troubles and your problems where they are and not carry them from one place to the next. Big challenge for a lot of people. Big challenge, right? What, if you're having a hard time at home, um, and, and you know, sometimes it, it's really hard to manage. I know my uh, my oldest son, right? We've got the the grandbaby now, so you know he's not getting a lot of sleep. Uh, you know, if the baby's fussy, nobody's getting any sleep in the house, right? So sometimes yep. it's hard when you go in the next day and you're like, I'm supposed to be bright eyed, perky tailed, and working, and you know, my customers, my client base, they don't necessarily care what was going on, right? They want me to yep. get the job done. Exactly. So. A lot of times it's hard to separate those between yeah. the, the stresses and they can, can lead be. over into other areas of your life. Um, so that kind of leads me to the idea uh, that I know you're big on is balance. Trying to find that balance in your life, right? Um, keeping it, you know, troubles where they're supposed to be and kind of having a balanced life so that you're not feeling overwhelmed all the yeah, time. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Christine, probably one of the biggest things, tools that I use, um, I, I'm a licensed coach with the Ziegler organization, and we talk a lot about balance. And uh, Mr. Ziegler, many years ago, came, up, came out with the idea of the wheel of life. And in that wheel of life, there are seven spokes. It's kind of like an old stagecoach wheel. And in those seven spokes are the, the, the different areas of our life. And everything falls into one of these seven spokes. It's your mindset or your mental spoke, your spiritual spoke, your physical spoke, family, financial, career, and then finally is your personal spoke. And I have clients go through this. I've got a, an assessment tool that they use, and they fill out where they are in each of those different areas and each of those spokes. And then I have them connect the dots. And financially, they may be doing extremely well, but their home life is suffering. Or physically, maybe they're doing extremely well, but financially, they're struggling. So, so what we have to do is let's, let's do that assessment, figure out where they are so that we can now start working on those areas that are weak points. So you may be a seven or eight in one of those spokes, but you're only a four in something else. And if you look at it that way, it's kind of like you're driving down the road and you've got two bald spots or, or bulging spots on your wheel. And that's not a very comfortable ride. Now, will you ever have perfect balance? No, it's not possible. But if you continue to improve in all seven of these different areas, then you're going to become more balanced in all of them. And the way we talk about getting in balance is replacing bad habits 
with good habits. Now, my friend Tom Ziegler, proud son of Zig Ziegler, says that the fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits. So that could be something simple, like if you're looking at a physical thing, uh, are you? how much Coke are you drinking on a daily basis? Oh, Christine, you are my hero. Look at you. There it is. Look at you. I just say the word and there it appears. Okay. So if you're if you're drinking, let's say you're drinking three bottles of Coke, 20 ounce bottles of Coke every day. Do you realize that each of those bottles of Coke has as much as 10 teaspoons of sugar? Replace that with, and I'm not suggesting all three, replace one of those bottles with water. Okay, now you've just saved yourself. There you go. There you've saved yourself 10 teaspoons of sugar. At the end of the year, if you manage to eliminate all of that, you will save over 10 pounds of sugar and you'll probably lose some weight in the process. So when you focus on on the wheel and make sure that you're improving in all seven of these areas, it's amazing how much better life is and how much better that wheel turns. But if you're focused on the wrong things, you know, that that's that becomes a problem. I'll give you a case in point. Um I, I am not opposed to physical exercise. I think physical exercise is, an, is a must. Uh, we've even got a spoke for the physical. That includes exercise, food, what you're eating, and your sleep habits, okay? But let's say it's the exercise. Well, maybe you go to the gym six days a week, and you're at the gym for four hours at a time. That may be a little excessive unless you're in competitions for doing something, okay? And you're trying to get that. And that's your world. That's your work. But the problem comes in if you're at the gym seven or six nights a week instead of spending time with your family, you're out of balance. Or if you're going to the gym instead of going to work, you're out of balance. Okay, The same thing is true. Uh, if, if you're spending all your time with your family and you're not doing the work that you're supposed to do, that can be a problem also. So when everybody started working from home two, two and a half years ago, there were a lot of people that couldn't make the transition because now they're working from home and the kids are running around the house screaming and mom is not happy. And, and so you're trying to deal with all of that stuff. So you've got, you're out of balance. So you got to figure out ways to get into balance in each of those different, each of those different spokes. And so we've got a way of, of helping people get into balance with all those things. Christine, thank you for showing that. that you just, you're so good. You are so good. I think it's important, right? And and we all get out of balance. And sometimes there's a season for, you know, with my honey bunny being a CPA, there's the season of out of balance. It's a whole couple oh, of yeah. months, right? Yeah. We happen to be in one of those little mini seasons right now until the October uh, 15th deadline. So we're exactly. out of balance right now. Right? Exactly. So is that 12 hour days, 15 hour days right. and longer, right? Well, but Christine, you know what's coming. He knows what's coming. So you can anticipate. So you know that, okay, Come October 16th, we have a life again, and you can enjoy, you can breathe, and you can take the little mini trips and so forth. So you can do that. The same thing when April 15th comes around or the 18th or whatever it is every year, you know that up to that, that last 60 days prior to, that you're not going to see him. And, right. and you guys, you can adapt to that. 
And you have an opportunity to look at the wheel and see where your partner's going to be out of balance and maybe helping them with that wouldn't yes. be a bad thing, right? So yeah. I know he's stuck at his desk. So he likes once in a while if I bring him dinner, right? This way he doesn't have to worry about go. going out, eating something unhealthy, right? There's probably ways you can help balance out those folks. It's not your Absolutely. responsibility. Everybody's in charge of their own wheel. Right. But it's nice to be able to lend a hand with that with your partner sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, that's where that's where the team is really critically important and people working as a team. And again, whether it's a corporate type scenario or a couple and they're dealing with things, trying to stay in balance, when you're when you're focused on what the other person's needs are, then you can stay in balance more than when you're not focusing on what the other person's needs are. If it's all about me, then you're going to be out of balance all, the whole time. Um, I, I work with a lot of people on the difference between being self-centered and selfish. What do you think the difference is between those two? Sometimes I think we get a mixed up. You better give us a hand, Steve. Well, okay. Self-centered, it's all about me. I'm the king of the world. You have to focus on pleasing me in everything that you do, okay? That's being self-centered. Hey, it's all about me, okay? My needs, my desires, my wants, etc. But on the other side of the coin, there are times that we have to be self-ish, okay? I'll give you a case in point. If you're sick, if you're dealing with a recovering from a broken leg, <laughs> uh, sometimes you have to be selfish. You have to say, no, I can't do something because I have to heal, okay? So you've got to be selfish. If you're going through a broken phase in your life, and it, it could be emotional, it could be mental, it could be physical, whatever it is, You've got to be selfish at times, but be careful that it's not becoming self-centered, which means mm -hmm. the world has to revolve around me. Major distinction between the two. Well, and I think a lot of times we think of selfish as being negative. And, and sometimes it, you yeah. need it, right? You need well, to focus on self. But you know what, Christine, and, and we've talked about this in the past, um, we need to set boundaries for ourselves, and oh, how's that for self-sabotage? Right there. You just hit the nail on the head. Boundaries absolutely. and how that influences yes. our relationship with other well, people. Yeah, yeah. And we sabotage ourselves by yes. not setting good boundaries. Well, and, and you're the only person that could determine what the boundaries are. Mm -hmm. but, but one of the challenges that comes in a lot of times, an S personality type has a really tough time with boundaries because they always want to please everybody. And I has a tough time oftentimes with boundaries because they want to make sure everybody's happy. Everybody's having fun. The D's and the C's typically don't have problems with boundaries uh, because they're so task focused, you know, get it, get it done and get out of my way. You're slowing me down. But the I's and the, and the S's, they just, they want to make sure everybody feels good, okay? Because it's all about the people. So I don't want to have a boundary because they, they may need me. Well, and, and then the high Ds, you have to watch out for how they put those boundaries in place. Because sometimes they might not be so nice about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get the, <laughs> out of my life. You're you're distracting me. You know, a, a, a D, you know... <laughs> Um, I'm not going to mention any names because that's not, that's not relevant, but I knew this person that had three ways of doing things, the right way, the wrong way, and their way. And they were very high D and it's like, okay, but what if your way is the wrong way? It doesn't matter. It's my way. 
I'm like, okay. In my way is always the right way. What are you talking about, Steve? Come on now. <laughs> exactly. And then, <laughs> then the C's and the S's have to come back and clean up the mess after the D leaves all that collateral damage along the way. And so sometimes we have to stop and think about the boundaries that we're setting. Now, boundaries are critical for us. If you're an abusive relationship, and I don't mean just a, a you know a dating or or marriage relationship. I mean in a in a work relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're in a work relationship and that boss is crossing your boundaries, then that's a problem. So you as the employee need to set the boundary. The same thing is true with the employer or the boss. You've got to mm-hmm. set boundaries. I'll give you a case in point. Many years ago, I had an office in North Dallas. And I had a large sales organization that I was overseeing. And there was a guy who was not in my sales organization. Okay, I'm having a private conversation with one of the guys that is in my organization. And a guy comes up to my door, which is closed, and starts knocking on the door. And I said, I'm in a meeting. A minute later, he knocks again. I'm in a meeting. And a couple minutes later, he opens the door. And I said, what part of I'm in a meeting do you not understand? He says, well, I've just got a real quick question. I said, I've got a real quick answer. Close the door and leave. Real simple. I had to set a boundary. And I had to get up and lock the door so he didn't bother me anymore. So he didn't interrupt my conversation. Now, mm-hmm. would I have addressed his conversation in 30 minutes? Absolutely. But at that point in time, no, I was preoccupied with somebody else. I had to set a boundary in that scenario. The same thing is true in that in that marriage relationship or dating relationship. If somebody is doing something that is inappropriate, there's got to be a boundary that is set up. So we've got to establish those boundaries to make sure that you don't, you don't cross the line. And if you find that somebody is crossing the line, you've got to establish a new boundary. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, there are boundaries. We have core friends or core people. Then we have close friends. Then we have friends. And then we have acquaintances and then everybody else. Okay. It's okay to move somebody from core out to that friendship or acquaintance spot or just kick them out completely and it's okay to bring new people in now the core people you generally they're generally core for a long 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 time suzanne's got a friend that she's had since she was in fourth grade so that's a core friend they can be they can pick up a conversation if they haven't talked in six months or a year and they're they're right back where they were so we have to make sure that we have the right boundaries for the right people in our lives, whether it's in a business perspective or in a another relationship that that you're cultivating and and, and working towards, right? And boundaries really tie hand in hand with the um, expectations, right? And, and part Absolutely. of that is letting other people know what your boundaries are, what the expectations are, and a lot of times, would you run into problems is when you don't meet other people's expectations or they don't meet yours, right? Are your expectations realistic? Did you let them know what those expectations are? And you're so disappointed they didn't fill it. Well, maybe they didn't know what they were, <laughs> right? <laughs> boundaries. You, you got to let people know what yeah. the expectations are. And yeah, I think so that true. mitigates a lot in a relationship. Oh, it really does. You know, 
you know, when I'm working with a, a newlywed couple or a couple that's engaged, I've got a, a, an assessment tool that I use. And we talk about crazy things like who takes out the trash? Who cuts the grass? Who fills up the tank with gas? Who pays the bills? All of those kinds of things. Well, my mom always did that. Well, my dad always did that. No, my mom. No, we're going to do it this way. No, no, we're going to do it that way. And and you get into those conflicts. And it's like, wait a second. That's not an important thing. It's not a deal breaker. So stop doing that. Don't Just don't do that, okay? Work through those things before you take that proverbial nesty plunge and get married so you know what the expectations are. And a lot of couples don't, they don't stop and think about that sort of thing. The same thing is true in the corporate environment. Well, boss, what are your expectations for me? Boss says, here are my expectations. What are your expectations for me? What are you looking for in a boss relationship? What do you need? Well, I need somebody that's going to support me, that's going to encourage me, that's going to give me the right tools that I need to perform my job well. And the boss says, I'm expecting somebody that's going to meet their quota, that's going to show up on time, that's going to take care of customer needs, et cetera, et cetera. These are my expectations. How you get those things done, I don't care. But these are the expectations. But a lot of times in that boss-employee relationship, it's not there. Well, and it's the fact that you didn't even have the conversation because everybody's yes. operating from their own worldview with their own assumptions. So they're saying, oh, well, of course it's going to be this way. Kind of like, well, of course you're going to do it. My mother did it. Right. I mean, it, setting the, you know, what's happened in the past, basing it off of a relationship you've had in the past, whether it's a spouse or whether it is a boss. Right. We have expectations, but the yeah. other person doesn't know what those are. Right. We have to communicate. We have to actually talk about it, right? And and it's talking about it without getting mad. You know, it, sometimes it's not a right or wrong issue. Yeah. It's just what have you agreed to? I always say it doesn't matter what the exact rules are as long as everybody agrees. It, well, it, you know, I, I'm reminded talking about this expectations component. Uh, the the comedian Michael Jr. guy is hysterical. Everything is about the setup and the delivery and the timing and so forth. And he told a story that I saw on on YouTube not so long ago, where he was going for a job interview and he realized about five minutes into the interview that he didn't want the job. So he decided that he was going to turn the table on the person that's interviewing him. And he says, now, one of the things that everybody always asks in that scenario, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Okay, that's what the boss or the the, the employer is going to ask. And because he had made the decision that he didn't want to work for them, he decided he was going to start asking the questions. So tell me, where do you see me in five years? <laughs> it's hysterical. You got to look it up. Michael Jr. job interview. I mean, it, it was hysterical. But the point to that is we've got to know what the expectations are. If you don't know what the expectations are, then you're going to go in with with a false sense of reality and security because you didn't know. Well, I didn't know that that was important to you. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, making the bed every morning before we leave for work, that is important to me. Well, I never made the bed when when I was single, so why is it important to me now? Because it's important to her, okay? So Suzanne and I have a rule. Whoever's the last person out of bed, they make the bed. Okay, so I make sure that I get it before she does every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Managing sorry. expectations, right? 
exactly. Right. But, but, but you know, we, we have, okay, so here's another expectation. If there is something that impacts the other person, we always put it in our joint calendar. So if I've got a meeting at 7 o'clock, she knows that I've got a meeting at 7 o'clock. And if she's got a meeting at 6.30 or 8 o'clock or whatever, the, we know what the expectations are. So we adapt and work around those expectations. But if you don't know what the expectation is, then you're going to step on each other's toes. That's why that boundary thing is so critical. Mm -hmm. We have to know what the expectation is, what the person is anticipating going forward. And when you know what the expectations are, there's so much more peace and harmony in the world. So much better. Oh, absolutely. And I think really we've talked a lot about how to sabotage your relationships, whether it's at home, at work, whatever it is with your friends. There's so many different ways to do it. And we don't even realize that we're doing it. Right. So if we're struggling and we're like, man, I'm on the struggle bus, people, I'm not getting along with them like the way I want to. I'm not feeling like I'm balanced in my life. I feel like there's a little bit more arguments and strife going on. Do you have things to help with this? Do I have things to help with? Do you have that? things to help with this? Is water wet? Is is <laughs> is uh, ice cold? Is the Pope Catholic? Is the does a wild bear? You know, maybe you the, should tell us a little bit I how got, we can get a little bit I more balance in our life and help with our boundaries and help with our expectations of other people. Well, how does this work? When I when I'm working with couples and I've got different programs that I work with people on. If I'm working with couples, I've got a specific formula that I use. I've been through a lot of marriage programs, a lot of marriage conferences and seminars. I've got a lot of continuing education in marriages, relationships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I've come up with a formula that works the vast majority of the time. And the formula high level looks like this. First things first, I want them to understand the, each other. I want them to know what their personality temperament is so they understand each other. Number two, well, that, so they understand themselves and each other. Uh, number two is we talk about listening skills. We already talked about that a minute ago. Be attentive, be where you are, et cetera, no distraction. But there are other things, other tools that I use in helping people communicate better. Then we talk about the five love languages. I, I, uh, Gary Chapman, Dr. Gary Chapman came, came out with that book 25 or so years ago. It is, a, it is a masterpiece in helping people know the value of who they are and what is important, what fills their love tank. And then we talk about the differences between men and women. I don't care what they say in the news media. There are differences between men and women. So we talk about that. We talk about conflict resolution. We talk a lot about triggers, okay? You may have a trigger from your previous relationships, maybe something from growing up, maybe from a coach, a teacher, a sibling, whatever, and you're hitting triggers or your spouse is hitting triggers. We got to deal with those triggers and how to deal with those triggers, okay? That's on the, on the personal level. We do deal with a lot of those types of things, and I help people get through some of the emotional blockades that they've developed over the years. On the executive side of things, we talk a lot about balance between their business world, their personal world, all of those sorts of things. And I've got a 12-week a program that I take people through. It's, uh, it's through the Ziegler organization. Uh, I call it Becoming the Best You. And we look at all of those self-sabotaging things that we've put in place and how do we, how do we eliminate the negative or the bad habits 
And when we're done, all of a sudden, you've got a totally different perspective on who you are. And you're really starting to gain momentum to get the balance that you need in life, but really start achieving the goals and getting the things that you've been striving for on a, on a day in and day out basis. We talk a lot about goal setting. We talk a lot about mindset. Uh, my objective and, and kind of my, my phrase that I use is I want to bring light and hope so you have a more victorious life, whether that's in your work life or in your personal life. I want everybody to have a more victorious life as much as is possible. I love it. So uh, for those that are listening and not seeing, and we've got uh, we've had your website and your email scrolling across the screen. But for those that are listening to this on a podcast, uh, how should they reach out to you, Steve? Well, my email address is info, I-N-F-O, at Stephen Reed Ministries, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-R-E-E-D, ministries.com. I have another website, actually, that that's my email address. The website obviously is stephenreadministries.com. And I have another website that's actually a course website that I'm in the process of building right now. I've got five courses that are in process, one that's already launched. And that website is stephenreadcoaching.solutions. Again, Stephen is S-T-E-P-H-E-N, read R-E-E-D, coaching.solutions, not .com, not .net, stephenreadcoaching.solutions. And so I've got several courses that are in the process right now that we're videotaping and going through all of the foundational things for that. But those will th be things that will be evergreen type of types of programs. But reach out to me via email. That's by far the best way for you to get in touch with me. Stephen Re info at stephenreadministries.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and talking today, Steve. I really appreciate it. You and I always have lively conversations yeah, with my background in communications and yours and all this woo-woo-woo stuff. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, but Christine, you, your background in being the DFW networking diva, you have been <laughs> such an amazing help to me in my social media things and courses and so forth. And, and for, for our listening and viewing audience, I would not have these courses in the process if it was not for the diva herself, because she kept telling me, you need to have courses up there. Yeah, fine, whatever. And I finally bought into her program uh, a while back. So I'm getting there. Thank you, Diva. You're getting there. It's a, it's a teamwork thing. And that's yeah. really what DFW Networking Diva is about, right? It's about working together and yes. helping each other out. I love working with mission-driven people and organizations. You would be a stellar example of what that means, along with some of the nonprofits that I work with. And we really want to come together as a community, right? Absolutely. So DFW Networking Diva is really about coming together as a community, helping each other, helping entrepreneurs thrive, helping individuals thrive, and just working together, marketing, um, business strategy, all that kind of stuff. So I love my network. If anybody out there is thinking they know somebody I should meet that needs to be spotlighted on this show and come hang out with us, uh, yeah. let me know. Reach out. So I'm diva at dfwnetworkingdiva.com. I'm Christine Dean. Thank you so much, Steve Reed, for coming and playing with us today. Thanks, Christine. Have a and blessed day. And we'll see day. you next time. I'm sure you're going to be back. I'll be back. Thanks. <laughs>